Welcome to the Drunk Guys Book Club, where books aren't just for school, where book clubs aren't just for women, and we'll drown ourselves in beer. I'm Mike. I'm Nate. I'm Jimmy. We are the Drunk Guys, and this week we are reading Pearl by Sean Hughes. It feels like the first time, maybe, I don't know, uh, but someone's starting a beer, and, and no one said who they were, so I'm going to fucking do it. That's oh, what man. you get. Yeah, fuck you. Uh, <laughs> so a lot of the book, the main character, not Pearl, spoiler, she is trying to figure out what happened to her mom. She's trying to like analyze and, and understand what happened. She's like an assayer, you could say. What? Just more like a metallurgical term, but to assay, A-S-S-A-Y. Or ass a, as the, as the construction workers a. say, <laughs> the Canadian ones. Ah, where, where'd you put it? <laughs> Their ass a. Okay, so this is from Root and Branch. It's called the Assayer, and I've had it before. I be, I want to say for Stoner, uh, but this is a triple IPA from Root and Branch, and it's it's uh it's, is it nine nine and a half? That's oh, a big that's a big boy. Wow, yeah, you're right, Stoner. We could play a game of name the beer, and I'll probably remember what book which you picked it too, though. Like I'll remember. <laughs> I was like, "Oh yeah, that's when Jimmy tried to pretend that beer had something to do with the Duke and I." <laughs> There's no such thing as pretending; it's all fact, baby. <laughs> anyway, this is a this is a goddamn amazing triple IPA, and uh, I, I say it's good, which I probably made that joke then. So we are. This is is this our first. Booker long list that we're doing? This is first our one. first. The first time, right, Nate? Uh, we're doing... Uh, first time, first, first for everything this <laughs> year. Uh, yeah. The, we're, doing the, we're, we're starting with the long list, and if we get lucky and all the ones we pick make it to the short list, we could just stop. <laughs> <laughs> if, if not, then we'll have to make up a few. And we're, we're going by the people who bet on this shit, betting odds, and... I don't know where they're getting their information because I re- literally have no idea where they could be getting their information. <laughs> they're throwing away their children's college investments on it, so they must have some system. All gamblers think they have a system, at least. Mm. Yeah. Um, I remember my dad describing a guy who, who is a bad gambler. It's like, that guy will bet on anything. He'll bet on two guys just pissing. I'm like, how does, <laughs> what's the bet? What's, what does that work? Who wins? <laughs> Not sure. Is it like who pisses the longest? Like I bet that guy pisses it's longer. Volume. So I was like, I'll take those odds. <laughs> <laughs> I saw that guy just drink a Gatorade. I'm in it. So this is uh, the first novel by Sean Hughes, and I, that's how we we agreed. That's how you say that name. We can be wrong. She's a Welsh writer who is mostly known for poetry, including a book called Pain Sluts, which starred. Jimmy's mom, um, but <laughs> so this this novel is dreamy and weird, and uh, that might be a theme for the long list actually. But tell us how it starts, gentlemen. So at the very beginning, the main character Marianne is about eight years old, and she's kind of remembering her mother, and she's remembering like what her mother was like because when Marianne is eight years old, her mother just disappears. Marianne is at home with her mother, uh, except a the like um, sort of like babysitter comes by the woman who is kind of a neighbor who comes by for a couple of hours every day to watch the kid. Uh, though actually, two kids because she has a second one, Joe, who's an infant, and like so so that Marianne's mom can like t- maybe sleep a little bit, do some laundry, stuff like that. But this one day, uh, Marianne's mom just walks out the front door. 
and it's never seen again. The only evidence, the only like possible clue as to where she goes, where she, where she disappeared to is there is a footprint, one footprint on the edge of the river, like on the shore of the, not shore, the bank of the river. There you go. The riparium. <laughs> the bank, the bank of the river. It's one. And so this is the middle of February in Wales, I guess, somewhere where it rains a lot. That's, that's mainly what I got from it. Uh, and there's a one barefoot footprint on the edge of, uh, on the bank of the river. And she's literally not seen again. And so the very beginning, Marianne is remembering her mother and how she has all these poems and all these stories and all these songs and going out to, going out to do stuff. One of which is actually going out to the river to sing a song and remembering, um, this old, really old poem called, Pearl, which her mother was really into. Well, she had a copy of it, like a paperback, and she had she had she or someone had jotted a lot of shit in the margins of it. And I'm pretty sure she had the J.R.R. Tolkien paperback edition because the way they described it, like I was like I know that book, um, which has multiple poems in it, but only Pearl had anything like written about it. The other poem, they just the person started and lost interest so this she believes this poem has significance so the beginning marianne uh is talking about how yeah the police came so their mother just literally walked out the front door in the middle of the day and is never seen again so that by several hours later the like um neighbor woman uh sort of like calls up marianne's father because he's a college professor and he's like kind of a long way away i mean he's like a more than an hour's drive away like call him and then he can't find her. And so they call the police and the police come and then the police are talking to her and sort of remembering all these things about, uh, and she's kind of like, she's, this is her, her sort of as more of an adult remembering what it was like for her as a eight year old in what this experience was like, you know, as a kid, not understanding what it's, what it's like for someone to just entirely disappear. But, the police, all the only clue they ever find is that footprint, and then there's just nothing else. But all other stuff comes out like, well, learns turns out she had an affair a couple of years before. Was that it? Or did she just disappear? She didn't leave a note. She didn't take her coat with her, something like that. I mean, she also wasn't wearing shoes. She didn't leave a like a suicide note or anything. And so, really, Marianne is just, like, haunted by this for the rest of her life. So, first, it's her as an elementary. So, um, Marianne was homeschooled by her mother, and so she had never been to school before. But now that her mother is gone, she has to be put in the local school because, you know, the father has to work during the day. And Marianne is just, like, not, does not like school. I think mostly because she, uh, largely because she hadn't been there before and didn't really understand how it worked. And she's a stranger arriving at school in the middle of the year. But also because she's obviously dealing with the grief of losing her mom and not understanding. And, you know, she's like chewing the inside, the, all of her, like the sleeves of her jumper, which, you know, you would think is a sign of uh, stress. And she's also like a weird kid and she's the poor kid in class. So double down on being an outcast. Yeah, it doesn't cancel out. No, it does not. But she also like, can't even begin 
It's kind of, I must imagine, it must be very difficult to begin any sort of grieving process as shitty as it would have been for a child in the mid 80s. Right? That's one of those? Um, uh, somewhere even, like that, yeah. 80s, I mean, 90s, it's hard, terrible enough, you know, to lose a, lose a family member or something like that. But to not even know what happened, that must be really difficult for anybody. But to for not know a kid. if they're even dead. All right. To like, did they leave us? You know, as a kid, like, how could you, you know, there's so many other, so many questions that they don't get answered. It's kind of hard to like, Move on. <laughs> when, like, the pr- basic principle, basic premise is, like, who fucking knows? You know, that's a, that's pretty ridiculous. And, and there's... She does go to, like, therapy, though, right? There's, like, counseling stuff. She's, like, a guidance stuff. counselor, but I'm not sure... She, I'm not sure anything she did would cons- would be considered actual long-term therapy. Because I mean, they're the poor, school, also. The sc- and the kid the also school- didn't dry at it. <laughs> Yeah, the school tries to get her some sort of counselor, but she just doesn't respond to it, like, or she doesn't go. Like, she doesn't this, go to school. It's, this starts a like lifelong pattern of not going to school, or just you know not going to school very often. The next thing I remember in the book is uh, when she's like a teenager and she's all goth and shit. I mean, because because you kind of get a lot of the backstory, like the thing about the mom having the affair. You don't get that up front. You get that like throughout. But like the next, like one of the so main the book transitions things. from like eight year old Marianne to like teenager Marianne just abruptly, and, and grown up Marianne is also telling the story. So she's talking about her modern life too, and the fact that she has a kid. But teenage one gets um, hooks up with this other girl. Can't remember her name now because we read this two weeks ago. But she's wealthy and is trying to show off how cool she is. She's like doing the equivalent, I guess, like whatever 1987 version of like wearing a Shea Guevara shirt is. But she's like wearing living a Shea Guevara in, shirt. But she, well, <laughs> it was all those. I mean, he was like no, just was, freshly it dead. Might be. Then. But she's but like I'm talking about the posing part of it. Like mm, you know, yes. that that she. Well, she like was a, already she was a poser anyway because she was actually uh, a rich girl who's just like living in an apartment on her own that her parents pay for and like. Half half heartedly going to school, maybe taking a class or two, and working in a you know cafe though she doesn't have to because her parents pay for everything. And she uh, frequently just doesn't even show up for her shift. She just goes whenever. And this is back in the day. I guess that was fine. They would just fire you. Um, but uh, so she she's but she is hot, which is important for my beer, which I am definitely drinking right now and didn't drink last time. Um. <laughs> It looks and, good. <laughs> yeah, it is slash was. Um, and this beer is called The Piff, which I looked up because it was in my fridge, and it's British for uh, hot or attractive. And so it really worked out. I don't know if they say that in Wales, but it's close enough for me. And it's a double IPA from Six Point, and it tastes like a double IPA, and it's pretty solid. Though Does you can it? taste the booze on it by our, from what I remember. But, you know, it's pretty good. It's one of the better six points, which are always like, these are fine. The six, six points was uh, Woodrow Wilson's abbreviated speech. <laughs> <laughs> after, he ha- after he had that stroke, you know. Yeah, he was only, only able to do that. Only capable only of making could, six points. He can only use six fingers to show <laughs> How many points, yep. <laughs> so Marianne and her father and her younger brother, who is just still an infant at the beginning, but then he becomes a little bit older. He's got all these allergies. So they actually move to a house in the city or closer to the city. I'm not sure what city it is, but 
because he Cardiff. it's not a real city whatever it, <laughs> it is it, it must be must be Cardiff because there clearly aren't any others that's the only as as city in that Wales. I've ever heard of the um, only one the rest of the cities have unpronounceable collections of L's Y's and W's and they're for fucking four lines long so they have to like move into the house closer to where he works so that they can go so that Marianne and her oh brother can go God. to school but then they have guys I googled cities in Wales and the Wikipedia says Wales has seven cities as of September 2022. <laughs> but I bet that's like a goofy British thing where there's like, what is considered a city versus a village True. or a yeah. hamlet that or a... Uh, it's probably just based on population. The one city only has less than 2,000 people. So I don't really understand. Since 2000, Welsh towns have competed in a contest to be awarded city status as part of civic honors and notable celebrations. Okay, so Wales is weird and dumb. And okay, so they move into a city. Did you do you ever see that uh, British sketch show with um, David Williams? And I forget the like, Matt something. That doesn't sound like a real name. But it sounds like it, a name well, you yeah, up for a British, British person. Well, it sounds like a name from Game of Thrones, Wallium. <laughs> uh, but it was uh, We Britain. There was a recurring sketch where it's like you know just like British stereotype characters, where the one guy is like. I'm the, you know, the, what must be a Welsh accent, because I fucking know what a Welsh accent is, but he just keeps going, you don't know how hard it is, I'm the only gay in the village, and he's like wearing like bondage gear, and everyone else is in <laughs> fucking, you know, like weird little cottages and shit, <laughs> but every every time he says that, like, I'm the only gay in the village, it's so hard, and then like all the old gruff men just start saying the, and I mean this sincerely, the gayest shit ever, they're just like, well, we're all going down to the glory hole later, and then uh, <laughs> I haven't had a good pegging in weeks. <laughs> like, but I'm the only gay in the village. <laughs> That's the only thing I remember about Wales. Like, it's worth worth seeking out. That show was really funny. Yeah. That's what happens in this book, too. But they don't that's mention true. it, but that's what ha- it's going on at the same time. So they move, they kind of move by this house in the city because he, uh, they, um, uh, they have to move closer to school, but yet the old place in the country is so run down that the, uh, the father can't even sell it right away because no one will buy it because it's just so run down and shitty. I mean, eventually somebody does, but they are, they're always calling the the new house the new house, even though they hate it and they loved living in the country, even though it was really run down. So that's important because at this point, at this part in the book, when Marianne is a teenager. She's going to go back to the old house on the anniversary. So, okay. So, uh, Marianne is at a party and she meets the, uh, at a, at a, a party thrown by the college professors, um, you know, that, uh, her father works with. And one of them is the daughter of the department head, this girl named, uh, who knows? I don't know. But, um, <laughs> she's we older. She's like it. 19. Where I read this book. She's like 19 and Marianne is like 15. And, but Marianne is like a, Antisocial, so she's hiding out in the barn. And when the other the other teenager girl sees her, it's like, "Oh my god, you're so attractive!" And then they fuck right there in the barn, in the gym, right? Isn't like a like a workout space, something like, a, like that, a room with treadmills or something. I don't remember the detail. It doesn't fucking matter. See, I always it's picture treadmills just in like junk storage because no one ever uses those. <laughs> <laughs> They're really good to hang laundry on. I've found. Yeah. <laughs> That's what you need like for. A two more short uh, bars to put some hangers on. <laughs> so my beer was for earlier, but I'm just going to drink it anyway. So wouldn't you say when Marianne's mom disappears, some of the police detectives probably said, <laughs> hey, <laughs> <laughs> probably said, hey, 
<laughs> Where did that one man go? <laughs> this beer is called Fat Mango by Finback. It's a very nice mango sticky rice India pale ale. Well done. Good joke, Nate. <laughs> Never heard that one before. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah, and it's uh it's really good. I mean, mango and IPA, they they go together. I only ever had one other beer that was even more mango-y than this. That one was from uh, Evil Twin, and it was like just ridiculous. But this is still very good. This is very good. So for this uh, middle for this middle, uh, middle part of the book, Marianne and her friend, they're like. So Marianne's fifteen and is being an annoying like fifteen year old, and the other girl is older and clearly just. She's kind of interested. I mean, she's not actually interested in Marianne, but Marianne doesn't get the hint that like, oh, I thought you were interesting for a little while because your family has this tragedy in it. But they're like kind of friends, but also the other girl is just really annoying. They're just kind of mean about it. And then on a night after they've kind of been together for a while, the, uh, the other girl is like, hey we should go back to your old house. Wouldn't that be, wouldn't that be fun? Wouldn't that be spooky? And Marianne, who is already partially drunk at this point is like, okay, yeah, let's go. She also has been going there on her own a bunch of times. Yeah. She's, she's escaped to there instead of going to school. She will literally like take a bus, take a, take a lorry to a bus, to a whatever to to get out there and then walk down the lane (laughs) So she, so Marianne knows how to get there just fine, but it just takes six days. The other girl <laughs> who is rich just does not understand like taking the bus and then having to walk and then so but they're going in, also no they're going lights. they're going in the middle of the night and there are no lights and the other other girl is like terrified. It's like oh my god, this is scary. And Marianne is like, what? What do you mean you don't know how to walk down a road? And then they get to the house, and it's all dark and cold because it's the middle of winter. So Marianne's like, okay, I'll light a fire. And the girl's like, you know how to light a fire? And it's like, oh. And Marianne's like, I guess I knew stuff. So they kind of light a fire, and they like just just find like random shit that they can, that, you know, oh, a couple of papers that haven't completely rotted away, some old like bits of furniture or whatever. And they're just like building it. And then, then the girl says... Jar of spiders. It tur- so Marianne realizes... Wait, this today, now, February, whatever, this is the anniversary of my mom disappearing. This is why you wanted me to come here. And then the other girl says, but what about your dead brother? And Marianne says, like, what? What about my dead brother? <laughs> like, what, what do you mean? My brother Joe, he's fine. I saw him this morning. He's like, no, 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 your dead brother. And Marianne's like... What? what what do you mean? And then uh, Marianne finds out that she actually, before she was born, there was another, there was a first child that uh, was, that didn't live. Um, and was the reason that her parents got together. Because her dad yeah. was the college professor and the mom was the student who could do anything for an A. <laughs> Only it's... Over there, so first for levels her, for her O <laughs> levels. <laughs> like, oh, I see what you what you did there. Nice one, eh? Uh, what? What? I don't understand anymore. It's <laughs> happening. Uh, but you know, this this rocks her world. And then somehow she doesn't she get like and Marianne injured flips now. Lips yeah. out. So they're also drinking because they have they have whiskey with them. 
And now Marion is flipping out, like, what are you talking about? Fuck you. Or, you know, stuff like that. And, and then eventually some of the neighbors hear the ruckus and see that there's a fire in the fire, fireplace, stuff like that. And they call the police. And eventually one of the parents get there. And then the other parent gets there. And then the police get there. And Marion is like, dead did I have another brother? And he says, yes, yes, you did. But from the same mother. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Her other brother from the same mother. She's like, oh, it doesn't have the same ring to it. But how did the other girl know? Well, it's because all of this was like gossip in the history department or wherever they, wherever they work. And that's why the other girl knew, but Marianne never knew. And then she's kind of done with the, uh, the friend. She's like out of the story, basically. And Marianne is still a like... Very troubled teenager, you you would say. She's still, like, skipping school. Like, she's skipping even more school and, and stuff like that. And they, like, send her to this. She's, like, doing the long jump over school. She's not just skipping. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's like the triple jump. Like, she's never there. <laughs> and the school is back in the days when they're just like, fuck it, that kid doesn't want to come to school anymore. <laughs> they just let that go. She's never there. And then when she is, she's an asshole to them. Because she does have, you know, unprocessed grief and shit, but, and trauma, but... Got a lot going on. <laughs> she meets the kid who, uh, who says, like, oh, my dog just had puppies again. And, and she's like, can I have one? My father said he was looking to get us a puppy. And of course, of course, you know, not real. So she goes with them, and then she realizes, oh, you're even poorer than we are. Because he lives in a, um, they're like... Yeah, yeah, in a caravan of, they of trailers. Are, they're travelers, Roma people. So it's like 47 people in a bunch of trailers living in a camp, and they have sent, they've chosen to send this one kid to school so he could learn how to read, so he could work out deals for them on caravans, literally. He's like the Voyager probe. It's like we can only <laughs> send so much to learn about the world out there. <laughs> but he still does steal the rings off of her hand when she's not looking. Yes. <laughs> but when so she, when he gets she gets there and she like sees the whole family and this whole like routine and this whole like all, all the stuff about them and realizes that like oh they're they have it even worse than I do and they say even though so she's a like crazy looking teenager because she said has a completely shaved head and is wearing a sweater that's like ten sizes too big and must look like pretty crazy but she gets there and the, all the parents are like oh you're such a nice girl. You're just, you're so, so nice. And no one has told her this before. So she talked to them for a bit. And then she, yeah, she, this for her, this is like a completely different, uh, completely different perspective. And she does actually, she takes one, she does get a puppy. She finds like the, the, the runt of the litter, the one that other people, uh, the, they're like, oh, that one's just not going to, that one's going to die. It's just too weak. She's like, no, nope, no, I want that one. So she takes it in and brings it home. And when she gets home, she realizes, oh, I was supposed to do some babysitting, but I didn't. But my father's still not going to yell at me because he just doesn't do that. And I don't deserve it. He's like, oh, but he does say, well, you're going to have to go take care of the puppy and you're going to have to get a job. And like, and so Marianne gets a job, takes the, takes the dog to um, like training classes and actually for the first time takes on some responsibility and it kind of works. She doesn't turn her life around, you know, immediately from that day, but she does actually get quite a bit better. Or she does get a bit better. And, and so 
that's Marianne's like teenage years. And then the third part of the book is Marianne as a kind of like as an adult where she like, she goes to art school and she's like kind of liking it. And, and, you know, it's a situation where she's a little bit better equipped because she likes art and art school is probably a little bit more loose than regular British school in Wales. Mm. I mean, yeah. <laughs> art, art school is, it's taught by art people. Like, they're all artist types. So nothing is orderly. <laughs> Just No need to take math. And there's no math. That's what got me to go to music school. <laughs> <laughs> and so, um, and, but she meets a boy and has sex with him. And then she gets pregnant. <laughs> is that how that works? Uh, that's, that's what I hear, yeah. <laughs> Hot. But like they like have a relationship, but also he's yeah wasn't, they did. Well, he wasn't interested in having a baby or anything because he, he was made only some like twenty one. Bohemian, he had a bohemian pra- uh, promise with his friends to not have bring kids into this world or you know something like that. Some asshole thing people say when they're young. <laughs> like, but don't bring He's like eight. Was he nineteen? No, Talk he's because he he's not another student there. He has a painting in the gallery she's working at, and she meets him there. But he's, he's like not, 20 or he's 21. In his 20s. That's still what a, what a, I mean, what a ridiculous, it's yeah. a ridiculous thing to just assert when you're in your early 20s. He might change. He failed on it instantly. Like most 22-year-olds, he fucked up the thing he said he was going to do. So yeah. there you go. And he has a kid. Or she has a kid. He's like, I just really don't want to be involved. <laughs> but he does get involved. So he does, he is there for the kid after it's born. After she is so tired from baby stuff that she is actually hallucinating um and she's like oh you're actually not doing very well and she's wondering like am i losing my mind is any of this real like is this what happened to my mother is why she fucking ghosted us because she was losing her mind because she still doesn't know her whole life is just saying like is this what happened to mom is this why she left what did she do and she'll never know let me tell you when i had a newborn you you, the, you can't. I could 100% understand hallucinating <laughs> from sleep deprivation. I've hallucinated from things. It's fun. You've hallucinated on purpose? I have hallucinated from sleep depression, sleep de- sleep deprivation also. It's a little weird. It's fucking scary. It's also, it's especially scary when you are responsible for an infant. Yeah. Like, oh my God, what is real? <laughs> Fuck, I am, this is serious now. <laughs> It isn't like I could just go crash for the weekend and recover from it. Like, I'm, I'm on the hook for another 18 years. <laughs> a scary thing. So eventually, you know, she has the kid and it's fine. And, you know, it jumps back to at the very, very, very beginning of the book. She has brought her daughter, who is a seven or eight or something like that, back to her hometown where the old, her old house was for some sort of festival that they do every year where they go and hang out in the graveyard with the... Graves of their, you know, ancestors or their dead relatives. So she's in town, and she goes to see her house. And someone has finally bought it, and they fixed it up and made it all pretty. And they said, hey, you know, hey, we, we found this thing in the yard. Do you want it? And it's like, oh, yeah, give it to me. And it's a little a locket of sorts. And inside of the locket is not a picture, as you would expect, but it is just a little scrap of paper with a date on it. And it is the date of the birthday of her brother that 
was stillborn. She's like, oh, maybe this means something. And from that point, it jumps to speculation. It's like, what happened to my mom? Who knows? But maybe knowing the day she disappeared, it was like two weeks after this kid's birthday. And every year on the anniversary of the birthday, she didn't know at the time, but she would go with her mom and do some witch ceremonies because her mom was kind of a flower child hippie lady believed in the fairies and, you know, the rituals and you know, the magic of the country people. And they would do this stuff every year uh, on the kid's birthday, unbeknownst to, the, to, to Marianne. And then the day she disappeared, oh, it was a few weeks after. a goat? Huh? Oh, yeah, there was one goat sacrifice, but, you know, that's it's whales. Uh, that's normal. Why do you make us chant our prayers to Belial every evening? <laughs> <laughs> Belial doesn't have enough Ys and Ls in it. Uh, oh, it says there are multiple silent Ys at the oh, front. Okay, well then, yeah, you have that's to fine. pause before it hits. We have to <laughs> pray to Belial, but they have to make room for nineteen silent Ys <laughs> and and one W. Yes, but she says this was like two weeks after the anniversary was, and you know the baby had just been born, and she thinks her mom maybe just remembered that she had forgotten about the anniversary, and in her despair, she went over to the river at night and just fell in or something because it was flooding. Tried to stuff. cross, Tried fell to do in. something crazy and just got taken away and they never found her again. Uh, maybe. That's her guess. But there's no way to know. There's no way to know. But this, in, in the way it's written, this is Marianne pretty much like convincing herself that this must have been what happened. As for terms of Marianne, like finding closure. Like, oh, my mom didn't leave us on purpose. She wasn't trying to run away. She wasn't trying to kill herself. She just was trying. She just realized in the middle of the day, oh my God, I forgot the anniversary. And so she had that little window to like just go and try and get over to the river, to the other side of the river where the grave was, but slipped and fell. And that's why she never came back. And it's not her rejecting us or leaving us. This was just an accident. And so this is Marianne's way of, like, finding some sort of closure now that it's, like, 30 years later. As much as you can. Yeah, as much as you can. I mean, she's been haunted by this for her whole life. This is as good a theory as anything, and it's, you know, her kind of coming to terms with it. And then uh, that's the end of the book. Yeah. Real uplifting tale. Yeah, it was really happy, happy story. Um, Though happy stories... uh, Never really make it on the Booker list, which we'll, I guess we'll discuss the Booker in general after we're done with this thing. But uh, did, did you guys, did you guys, did you guys like it? Did, did you like it? <laughs> so I mostly liked it. I thought it was a nice book. I didn't think it was amazing. I didn't think it was like the greatest thing. And I think it probably won't win the Booker, but I thought it was a nice book. A nice. That's like one of those words your teacher is like, use a better word. I he understand nice what you man. mean. It is, it is nice. Like, it's... It's very okay. <laughs> well, I don't know if you mean nice by, like, it's a fine, or do you mean it's pleasant? Because it certainly isn't. Well, uh, you know, what, what, do you, what do you mean by nice? That's what I, mean, I guess I'm It's saying. very heartfelt. I guess I would say... It's, the book has lots of feels. <laughs> yeah, it was it very have a lot of feels. And I did feel very... I felt for Marianne, and I felt very bad for her. Or I felt very bad with her, really. Is that empathy or sympathy? I can never uh, remember. Well, empathy is when you feel bad with someone, and sympathy is when you feel bad for someone. Yes. So okay. It's more more of the empathy one, and I it was really it was it was really very sad, and I fell for her. 
or with her, I guess. I would say on a, I would put it at a 3.5 or a 4 out of 5. That's what I'm saying. It was very nice. I didn't, it didn't blow me away, but it was pretty good. Until we read the next book on the book or long list, I thought this book was like kind of disorienting and weird. But now looking back on it, I was like, this was a fucking cakewalk. <laughs> but it was, um, I think it's, I think it's, it is a fine book. It is creative and it talks about things and like not as not many books do that not many books talk about and the idea of like grief and loss and and the way that not knowing yeah. is a problem right now when i first read the synopsis for it or the pitch for it or whatever it, it seemed to make a much bigger deal at least what i read about the pearl part They're like it's based on a poem by the Pearl from the fucking 1300s or whatever the fuck it is. That's really a minor part of the book. Because I've read that poem, and that poem is fucking boring. And it's about a guy whose daughter dies. So, like, the direct opposite of this book. And he goes on, like, a fucking Christian vision quest and sees, like, a bunch of Jesus-y stuff. And he wakes up and he's like, wow, that was, ooh, that was some dream. I'm glad I lived because it's the year 1350 and people die every fucking minute. And nobody knows who wrote that poem. It's one that survives in exactly one manuscript, which happens to be the same manuscript that had Sir Gawain and the Green Knight and a couple other poems. So people think it might be the same author. It's like finding a long lost copy of Now 16. What today we would call then. That's what they called <laughs> Thing wow. is, did now it's sixteen hits in one place? <laughs> did now sixteen come out in like nineteen ninety nine? I don't man, know. Their town was man. riding high. <laughs> <laughs> These guys are going places. <laughs> Smash Mouth, they'll be around forever. Ooh. The years will never stop coming. <laughs> <laughs> but I just felt like the pearl part of the book was like random, and that's the title of the fucking book. Maybe it's is like this, a I mean, modern version. Without the Christian shit, because, you know, that's But not then cool it kind anymore. of isn't the same thing, because, <laughs> like, the whole purpose of, of the poem is that the guy goes in this fucking weird dream, and he meets the Pearl Woman, the Pearl Maiden or something, and basically every, he's like, what's going on? And every one of her answers is like, Jesus! And then he's like, oh, fucking good answer. That's... Not what this book was at all. Maybe like really, really, really loose. It's about you know that, prolapse loose. That, That's it's about prolapse, is. yeah, incredibly loose. That's the next right book. Uh, that poem was about how he dealt with his grief in the 1300s when everyone was sad all the time anyway, and that's all there was. And now this is how Marianne's dealing with hers. So it's you know, it's by no means a direct thing, but. It's close enough. I don't. I don't know if she, Sean Hughes. I'm assuming it's pronounced Sean. Um, you know, had anything to do with that synopsis? So, remember Nate years ago when we used to do that trivia? Was that on the Upper East Side? We did that trivia at that very very Irish bar. Mm-hmm, yeah, which I know it's not the same thing as Wales. Relax, people. But the guy's name was Sean, and he was fucking. You know, fell out of a you know pot of gold, bog, <laughs> leprechaun looking man. And he was like, hey, hey, and then we we're like, okay. And then he's like, you know, what, someone, what's his name? And he's like, it's Sean. And then we're like, I was like, okay, hey, so what's up, Sean? And he's like, you said it's so dumb. And I was like, that's 
what you just said. He's like, no, no. You said Sean. He's like, well, what is it? And he's like, it's Sean. I was like, that's a fucking same thing. It's <laughs> <laughs> the fucking same thing. But there's there's a sensitivity to vowel pronunciation over there that we do not have clearly, or I don't. I guess we 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 put a we put a W in it, and they yeah. don't. So it could be Shan, Sean, Shun, Sean, Shun, Shun. That's 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 after he dies. He was Shun, Shun, Shun. Still remember that fucking guy. So, Mike, tell us about your theory. About who's gonna about what kinds of books win the Booker? So if you oh yeah my, my very scientific theory about the Booker. So I think now first of all we should say the Booker every year has a different panel of judges. So there is no a hundred percent continuity. You know where oh they, they, that's what they won last time, but I I I don't know what they're I don't think they have like a mandate. I don't think anything says like pick the best book written in English. Like there's no like and it has to address this or whatever. But if you look over the winners, there are certain trends. First off, serious books usually beat not serious books. You know, like comedies rarely, rarely win. In fact, the last I mean, I've not read every winner, of course, but the last book that is a comedy that won, and obviously there's funny moments and things. The second the sellout is probably Lincoln the last one. Lombardo was kind of funny, too. It had a couple of sad moments, but it was mostly funny. It was zany. The sellout had comedic parts to it, but it's still a very serious topic, though I don't still don't want to speculate what that topic is because I don't want to be wrong. Um, <laughs> but then like the last full-out comedy is like 2002. Was, um, it's by uh, Vernon, Vernon Godlittle in 2003. That was a comedy. And then before that... I don't think the other next comedy is like, was it Martin Amos? Did he win in like the mid 80s? Kingsley Amos, excuse me. Kingsley Amos won for the Old Devils. Martin Amos is his son that just croaked. Um, they're usually serious books. They're usually drama, dramatic. They're usually kind of pretentious. Um, and I think that there's like a rough rubric of is it about the writing itself? Because it's a book, right? Is the writing inventive or creative or like particularly beautiful like that's like a quantity like a character a category that can get, get involved somehow and then what is the political topic of the book is also could also be really valuable in the metric of like does it win or not so if it's about a recent you know controversial thing like the apartheid so, yeah, which apar- is won multiple times right apartheid or you know just think of the ones from last year that didn't win, but like made the list because there's hundreds of books that could make the list at all. The Magdalene Laundries, fucking Sri Lankan Civil War, any of those kind of topics, uh, partition in India, like those kind of things are oh, like, give it like more weight. Or if it has like a you know more, uh, for lack of a better word, like progressive kind of political thing, like being you know treatment of LGBTQ people. Or some sort of discrimination, like those things are all kind of in there, and I, I think that you know this book kind of doesn't doesn't hit enough of those points. That's why I don't think it's going to win. <laughs> in a very yeah. scientific system, especially it's not the like 
the so it's not the social issue of apartheid. It just doesn't have that. So it's also short. I mean, it's not bad. It's actually a nice read. I'd recommend. I'd recommend it to somebody if they wanted a, if they wanted something. And I wouldn't be against that. But it's it's not like weighty. It doesn't have gravitas. That's a good word for it. Yeah, winners tend to have that. Even something like the sellout, which was kind of funny, but just a very serious topic. It is still and, about racism. So, yeah, I don't. I'm curious. What is the shortest book to win the Booker Prize? Oh, I read this Offshore by Penelope. No, I didn't read this. Offshore by Penelope Fitzgerald is 132 pages. Mm, in 1979. I'm good. I'm not going to read it right now. Small thing, but then the other thing, yes. Some, sometimes like 90-page books have been nominated. Like the fucking Treacle Walker nonsense. Ugh. <laughs> I did have the think, thought of using that as a punishment book just to make you read Treacle Walker again. <laughs> <laughs> you bastard. <laughs> <laughs> no one could be that mean. Nate's already read it twice. Yeah, I did read it twice. <laughs> so that means I don't have to read it again. You know what? You do that. You guys can read it. But yeah, we've done this now. This is like we we did we did last year the whole short list, right? And we did the year before most of the short list. We we, we started the winter the year later that time. Like this winter. time we're like actually planning ahead. That time was like, oh shit, let's read a few of them because the short list had already come out at that point, right? Yeah, with the exception of one, we didn't read Girl, Woman, Other from 2019, where there were two winners. We've read all the winners going back to 2016 at this point for the podcast, and then various other ones along the way. Uh, do you think my theory has... No, it's definitely that. I think the only outlier would be Shuggy Bane, which was not a grand you know, yeah, it's societal true. thing, but it was like drug abuse, which is a societal issue. It's about poverty and alcoholism in Scotland. So, like, that's a thing. Hold on. What year was that? And when was the fucking leave vote in England for Scotland? That's every year. Oh, okay. So the vote was 2016. (laughs) It was like July, June, July 2016. I I wonder if if you could draw a connection to interest in the despair of the Scots... (laughs) And the shitty, you know. Wasn't Shuggy Bane didn't win in 20. No, it won in 2019. Didn't it? No, 2020. It's like during the pandemic. Yeah. It oh, won in November right. of 2020. Right, right. Okay, yeah, 2020, you're right. I, I mean, Scotland and I mean, it is a, a largely British judging panel. And I never know that, I never recognize these people. I never know who the hell they are. But UK broadcast that year, British. Ghanaian born but British, British, British. Yep, Oxford. They're all like British people. I, I wonder if the Scotland thing had some weight there that year. But also, the problem with any award like this, whether that be book or film or music, you know, Grammy or whatever, they can only nominate or award what comes out in that particular year. And maybe they're just like, just, you know, they kind of have this idea like, oh, that one best picture or whatever. It must mean it's really good. It just means it was better than what was around then, that one year. It doesn't mean it's timeless. It doesn't mean it's a classic thing that we need to revere forever. Yeah. I don't have to run faster than the bear. I just have to run faster than you. Exactly. Though. The bear uh, being society. <laughs> I was going to say I don't have to. I don't want to run faster than the bear is the name of a, a club in my. That's interesting. 
Um, <laughs> but yeah, so I, I think um, you know, I go back and forth. Like, well, you know, there's I don't I don't have the ability to read every book, so I kind of look for things like the Booker and the Pulitzer and whatever to filter out shit. It's like, yeah, that's probably a better one, you know, because there's so many shitty books out there. You, you assume that they would pick at least a pretty good spread of like among the best books of the year. But that panel can have whatever whatever the zeitgeist is is going to influence whatever they think is the most, you know. And they may they may approach it as like this is we need to pick the most important book, or they might pick the most well written book or creatively written book, or this is the best book like those are all like do they ever say or do they just be like here's the judges blah blah blah. they 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 write a little spiel when they announce the winner and they'll say you know very laudatory crap like well for its breathtaking prose and unscathing look at the hypocrisy of the you know of man's Vienna inhumanity to man. <laughs> yeah. And then they're like, oh, it sounds like, you know, because at the end of the day, it's all about selling more books. That's really the goal of the booker is that you could put a sticker on your book as says nominated, shortlisted for the booker, and you'll sell more copies of it. So it just ends up writing a very, you know, I can't imagine that there are anywhere that, like, this was just a pretty good book, but everything else is, you know, forgettable this year. Like, so they're going to always make it sound amazing. But if you go back 15, 20 years, you don't recognize most of these names. Have, none, none of them have become, you know, household names of books that everyone still knows. Like we, re- like we did the Satanic Verses. It's like people still know that book because of the controversy or whatever. Mm-hmm. Nobody knows, nobody remembers the name of the book that beat it. I don't think people would, I think people would still remember it even if it didn't win the Booker. People don't remember it because it won the Booker. Satanic Verses didn't win the Booker. It did not win. Oh, well, there you go. Ha ha, I was right. That's what I'm saying. But yeah, you're agreeing with me. It it it, it lost because they were cowards. They wouldn't award that fucking apostate. And it and you look at some of the other ones. Like, Remains of the day. Jesus Christ! What a boring, depressing book that one. The fucking book. So okay. Well, we're gonna do a bunch more of these Booker books. So we'll have to see what happens. Do you guys think this one will win? No. No. Me either. I thought it was a very nice book, and I thought it, I don't think it's gonna win. You know, I li- I liked it, but. I think it didn't deal with enough societal issues. I also just don't think it was that yeah, amazing. That Mostly that. It was a fine. It was. It's okay. It's great. I enjoyed it, it. A million times better than I could write, and that, no, no doubt about that. But I've never. I don't think anyone's going to ever in ten, twenty years be like, you know, what you need to if you want to learn about writing, <laughs> read Pearl by Sean Hughes, author yeah. of Pain Sluts. Like no one's going to say <laughs> this is the book to study. Whereas. There are other authors who be like, this person is a phenomenal writer, and you should read this book to learn how they write, to learn how one could write like that. I don't think this is that level of transcendent This feels more prose. like a book of the month than something to remember for years to come. Yeah, and that's all right. Most of us don't even get to be book of the fucking minute, let alone a month. So yeah. It's no, sh- no shade against uh, Sean Very Hines. good, but not, not going to win. Nah, sorry, bro. Tell us what you thought. Send us an email to drunkguysbookclub at gmail.com. Call us on Twitter, drunkguysbc. Or go to Facebook and Instagram at drunkguysbookclub. And uh, if you listen to this long, go to that Patreon. I forgot to mention it. Patreon.com slash drunkguysbookclub. You know, somebody messaged me that they said they listened this far 
and they were like, you need to send me that dollar. I was like, ha ha ha. And I didn't. But (laughs) 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 so a person listened that far. They were already a patron. It happened. It happened. A patron did listen this far. Just refund them a dollar for a while. Just no recording on me. Whatever. It's the end of the thing. And check out the Hopped Up Network, a network of independent beer podcasters. And thanks for listening.